You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of The Process. Welcome back to the show, man. Obviously, this is The Process. Man, Kansas City, listen, I know we killed it last week. All the feedback, everybody's saying, man, one of the greatest shows we've had with Dante Hall, the X Factor, uh, the human joystick was joining us. Man, we're going from wide receiver to wide receiver. And uh, our guest this week, man, let me let me just cut, cut it off. Man, this is one of the greatest receivers to ever uh, grace the field at K-State. Um, also here at Kansas City, man. Kevin Lockett, man, uh, man, hell of a wide receiver, but also a, a mountain of a man when it comes to his service in the community. Um, um, as a father, a mentor, father of Tyler Lockett, um, got some other Lockets on the way coming through the uh, pipeline. But, man, this is the process, man. This is when we break down all the details, all those little small innuendos that people don't understand about what makes the Chiefs a championship team. So first thing, we're going to start off with the, the who, the what, and the where. Who are you? Where are you at as far as business? And then how can somebody actually get a hold of you when it comes to social media? Yep, absolutely. So we'll, we'll start on the back end. Social media, not that visible. So you're not going to find me on Instagram. I'm on there somewhere. Don't do a whole bunch. Uh, I, I fool with Twitter a little bit. So Twitter is probably the best one, at KLock81. That's me. Uh, but uh, in terms of who I am, uh, as Shop mentioned, man, look, old, old school football player. Uh, got a family full of football players. Uh, oldest son, Tyler, is obviously in Seattle. Got a middle child, Sterling, who's over at K-State playing wide receiver. Uh, and then got twin boys, uh, Jacob and Jordan, that's playing with your boy Deacon over at, over at Blue Valley High School. So, uh, look, man, sports junkie, uh, love football, love college, love NFL football. Uh, and then in terms of business every day, man, uh, I'm on the investment side. Uh, founding partner in a venture capital firm here in Kansas City. Me and two other partners, we invest in uh, early stage agriculture stuff. Uh, but man, just enjoying life, man. Beautiful bride. Kids doing fantastic, man. Just loving Kansas City. So successful businessman, successful father, successful football player. Just just checking the boxes as we go. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump into this. We, uh, um, looking at the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Detroit Lions. Obviously, the Chiefs lost. Uh, one point loss to a, a hell of a Lions team. I think the Lions going to be a team to actually make the playoffs. They're going to be relevant in the NFC this year. But again, a one point loss at home after the banner comes down, after all the celebration, after all the offseason turmoil, uh, we get news that right before the game, uh, one of our, our our top weapon, Travis Kelsey, wasn't going to be available. Uh, I think the, the crowd, the fans, we had a lot of hopes that Chris Jones might have made an appearance, which he did, just not on the field. Um, but he was up there uh, in, in the box with his agents. Um, and, and that got worked out in, 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 due, in due process. But let's jump back into the game, man. Um, is there anything from the game that just jumps out to you as something that was a, a key factor in that, that, that game that turned out the way we hoped in Kansas City? You know, if I'm looking at, like, if I'm a Chiefs fan, which I am, like, I would actually still be excited about what's to come for the 2023 season. I mean, you take into account that, you know, Kelsey doesn't play. Chris Jones doesn't play, and he's watching from from the suites. Um, and you also take into account that Detroit is probably at least a 10-win team this year. They're going to be a good football team. And through all of that, we lose by one point, right? And so I think the point is, look, Kansas City's base foundation as a team is incredibly strong. 
we're going to be in every game. We're not getting blown out of games. And so, you know, when I look at that and you look at, you know, obviously the new X factor, Patrick Mahomes, uh, we are always going to be in the football game. So from an encouraging standpoint, I would say, look, you know, through all of that turmoil, we still lost by one point and we're right there ready to win, win the football game. So I think Kansas City is going to be fine this year. I think there are some areas that we need to shore up a little bit. I know we'll get into the wideouts a little bit, and that's that's a touchy area for me, but it, it's an area that I think uh, we need to fix. But but we'll also, I, I think we need to fix our run game a little bit better. So that'll help Patrick out in terms of his ability to continue to maneuver around, spread the football around to the wide receiver group. All right, I'm going to rehash some of the things that Andy Reid said about the team. Obviously, he started off with just taking accountability. Andy has always done that from a leadership standpoint. Uh, it always starts with him. Hey, I got to do better at getting guys in position to make plays. It's kind of hard for him to take too much credit because we, I saw some wide open receivers. So he, he he schemed it up right, but the the receivers has to finish off as far as making the grabs. And specifically with uh, Kadarius Tony, Kadarius Tony, uh, too many drops on the day. Uh, he was the the primary receiver as far as uh, who was going to replace Kelsey as far as the pecking order. Um, Kelsey definitely demands you know ten to twelve targets a game. And when he's not available, it seemed like they, they had turned the page to make um, Kadarius Tony the primary. And of this, you know, obviously, uh, you know, as a team, having six drops is, is not acceptable, and especially at the points and times of the game when that happened. Um, and then we also talk about the overall confidence of the team. He's, he still remains confident. Patrick does and Kadarius Tony, Andy Reid does and all the wide receivers. So it's not like the, the Chiefs had uh, tr- open tryouts for wide receivers. Anybody who wanted to come. Uh, show that they had a they pair of hands. Call, they did bet, don't call me. They, uh, don't call Kevin. Kevin <laughs> say he don't want to get hit. Uh, but then there's also uh, the offensive line, right? Juwan Taylor. Um, there was a tale that they talked about of, of in his stance, giving away running pass before the ball is hiked by the depth of his, his back right foot. So uh, there's more to be corrected. There's a lot of coaching to be done on this field um, with this game tape. And then obviously I'm going to double down on what you said about the short yardage. There's got to be some answers that the Chiefs find over the next few weeks before we get to the, the crucial crucial games in the postseason of how to get one yard, third and one, uh, fourth and one short yards to keep our offense on the field. Um, the, the Blake Bell handoff, it just, that's just not the uh, most efficient way, I think, to get one yard. So we got to be uh, definitely better than that. Uh, let me get some of your feedback about this rookie wide receiver, Rashid Rice, and what your thoughts are about how he handled himself during the game. And just overall, what, what kind of season should we expect from a, a rookie wide receiver? So, you know, first things first, look, you know, Rashid was, what was he, second-round pick? Where was he after that? Um, he was the second-round pick second for them out of SMU, I think. So, you know, so here's the first thing. for As a rookie wide receiver, uh, the game is going to be incredibly fast for you, right? And so if you are not, let's call it a top 15, top 20 pick, um, then you're in what I call this sort of second category where there's still some things that you need to do to shore up in your game to catch up to the speed of the game. I think overall what I saw from him, uh, I'm extremely excited about. I think he's got good size. He's got good hands. I think he did a good job of running routes and getting open. What people have to understand is uh, when Andy Reid is scheming, he is scheming for particular people against particular coverages and against particular uh, defenders. And so what you saw was he came into the game plan, obviously, to scheme for 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 uh, for 87. That's what we all do, yep. right? All right, and then all of a sudden, 87 is down, and that's shifted over to Kadarius. Kadarius was probably going to come into the game plan as sort of the number two target, kind of playing that role Tyreek used to play or maybe Sammy Watkins used to play where double coverage rolls over to 87. He has one-on-one. He gets schemed up really nicely, has a chance to catch the ball on the run, make a big play. 
there weren't very many plays schemed up for Rice. All right. And so I always say this. You can't catch a ball if you ain't on the field. He's on the field now. All right. But you also can't catch a ball if they don't throw it to you. And part of what happens is when you go into a play and you are always the third, fourth, or fifth read, it's going to be hard to show up statistically and prove what you can do. But if you go turn on the tape, I think you would be excited about what he has the capability of doing. And although I, I feel bad for what happened to Kadarius, that gives people like Rice an opportunity now to become a part of sort of the first, the second, the third sort of read. So I'm really interested in when he gets more opportunities over these next couple of weeks, what he shows and what he does with it. I think with his body size and his ability and his good hands, I think Patrick makes players better. Patrick can 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 throw him open even if he happens not to be open. So I think he's got a bright future. I think the fact that he can go into week one, touch the field, get get that behind him in terms of being in the NFL, 80,000 people here, national television, um, I think he's got a bright future. Yeah, it's been a it's been a while since the Kansas City Chiefs have had a rookie just come on the field and play right away. Um, there was a it was a point in Kansas City where we had so many veterans always as the one and two that uh, a couple of rookies might be fighting over you know the scraps as that wide receiver three wide receiver four, but their their role was also most mostly just special teams. Right, come support the special teams for a year or two and then prove that you deserve to play. Uh, but they've kind of pivoted off of that now and fast forward. Um, and Justin Ross is playing. Watson is playing. Yeah. Uh, Scott Moore has a significant role. Um, so we got a bunch of young guys on their first and second year that are actually playing a lot of uh, football. And MBS is now the the savvy veteran in the wide receiver room, and he's the one who has to kind of um, kind of keep the boat level and make sure that people don't get too high and too low. Right. Um, and I think he's done that. I mean, he's always pre- presented himself well down the field when when thrown to. He makes plays, make big plays in in, in, in big time situations. So I'm kind of like you say. I'm, I'm kind of I'm with you. I'm 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 curious to see if we don't need to push the panic button and get Kelsey out there right away if he's not 100%. Let's take a few weeks to let these young guys, I mean, you know, you know get some get some reps behind them and, and get some playing time behind them because eventually as the season goes on, whether it's this year or a next season or years after that, there's going to be a time where this offense has to learn how to develop and play without Kelsey. Right. And we would love these young guys to have as much playing time, as many targets, as many reps as possible before we are forced to that time. Well, and, and here's here's my belief. We we don't have a true, what I would call, number one wide receiver. I mean, I take Kelsey out because they call him a tight end. He's really a receiver, but tight end. And in the past, we've always had that, right? So you had you had um, um, uh, Tyree. You had Sammy, who could play a number one. Uh, you even had Juju, who stepped in last year and could be considered sort of a number one. I don't think we need a number one solely for Patrick to be able to drop back and find a way to get him the ball eight or ten times a game. The reason we need another number one is from a defensive perspective. If they realize that we have a number one caliber wide receiver that they can't leave in single coverage all day, what that's going to do is is put them in a box, right? Now I got to look at do I double Kelsey? Now I got to look at do I double this single wide receiver who can go to distance on any given play? And what it does is it leaves all these other young wide receivers that we're talking about in one-on-one coverage all day long. And so what you what you have is who's going to step up and be like Byron Pringle did a year or two ago, mm-hmm. where he's always one-on-one and you have a quarterback like Patrick who can throw you open, and all of a sudden you look like a real solid number three and all you're really doing is beating man-to-man coverage all day because everybody else is getting doubled. That's what we don't have today. And so you take Kelsey out of the mix because he was down. 
Now the defense doesn't have any any single individual that they're worried about that they have to double, right? And so now all of a sudden, where Kadarius might typically have one-on-one, now all of a sudden he's running one-on-one, but he's got the safety over the top as well. So I don't think we have the caliber of young guys yet that have shown and proven that they have the ability to be a number one or to beat double coverage. And that's why we need sort of, even if it's just a big name that still has some ability, that's what bringing a number one in does is it all of a sudden takes pressure off Kelsey. It takes pressure off the other young wide receivers. And ideally it helps to open up a little bit of the run game because it moves people out of the box. Yeah, man. So obviously having these young guys have more opportunity on the field, it'll put pressure on our def- on defensive coordinators we're playing against to develop traditional style defenses that now Pat and Andy Reid are used to getting. And that kind of um, help speed up our delivery process. Well, hey, as we talk about the process, man, that was a in-depth 10-minute version of what is going on with the wide receiver group. Um, man, real quickly, when we come back from break, we'll, we'll, we'll spend a moment of time on the defense. Obviously, I'm a defenseless, so I'm, I got to give you my side of the table also is what we need to do to, to uh, cure up a, a little bit when it comes to these leaky yards on defense. But we'll hit that right after a break. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. It's more fun to be there for live Kansas City Chiefs football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to wrap your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com Chiefs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Man, you're back on the process, man. Obviously, the process is always greater than the product. And I'm here with Kevin Lockett. Man, we chopped it up with the offense, told you about all the ins and outs, 
why you, there's no reason to push any panic buttons here in Kansas City when we talk about the wide receiver core. And now we're going to flip the coin and go to the defense. So overall, Kevin, what is your feeling about the Detroit Lions game as far as our defense versus one of the top offenses in the league last year? Yeah, I mean, you know, when I look at the D- Detroit Lions, I mean, you know, historically people have thought of them as sort of a losing organization, right? And if you look at the last half of last year and the way that they've opened up this year, uh, I have to put them in the upper, call it one-third of the NFL, right? And so they actually have a pretty dynamic offense. I thought collectively our defense, even without Chris, we played at a level that we can win another Super Bowl with. We gave up 14 points, right? You take the pick six from Kadarius Tony, you move it off to the side. We give up 14 points. You give up 14 points for number 15 over here, we win 13, 14 games a year as long as you got him at the helm and we give up 14 points. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, there's some areas up front, defensive line, uh, maybe the middle backer where, you know, we had some some rushing yards that that typically I would look at and say, man, why, why aren't we stopping that? Why isn't that a two-yard gain, one-yard gain? It's more like five, it's six. And and it's not so much that I'm worried about that because I think Chris will 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 fill in now that he's been re-signed. But what it really does is it keeps the ball out of the hands of 15. Look, we need 15 to get 12, 14, 15 possessions a game, right? Because, you know, with those kind of odds, he's scoring five, six, seven of those kind of possessions, right? That's 40 points, right? So again, you can, I give them 14. I spot a team 14 at the beginning. As long as 15 can get 12, 13 possessions, I'm good. I like that. Uh, Kevin's broken down to make it just a possession game, all right? Like, listen, do what you got to do, Coach Spags. Blitz them. Don't blitz them. Do whatever you need to do. Just make sure whatever you do, you do it fast and quick yeah. and gets the ball back to the offense. Hold them to field goals. Be stingy in the red zone. Yeah. And that's kind of been the, the defensive philosophy. Everybody talks about how aggressive we are as far as the defense, as far as blitzing defensive backs and bringing extra people. Because we, we we are. We are trying to speed up the tempo, speed up the play clock, the passing clock for every opponent quarterback we're playing against. That is what you're supposed to do. You want the quarterback to be um, a, a little bit uncomfortable in the pocket. And obviously adding Chris Jones back to the mix is going to make him very uncomfortable. I love the way uh, subconsciously you might not realize it, but you, you blame the pick six on the receiver. As a receiver always would. If it touched your hand, you're supposed to catch it, right? That's what that's but, the golden rule. But, you know, if it's a little bit behind you or something, I, there's no argument I can make for this. When that ball hit him square in between his two thumbs and his two forefingers, and then it just took a crazy bounce and and, and went the other way. And look, man, I I've been there, right? Yeah. So I've been where Kadarius was in terms of maybe not that bad, but but <laughs> close, but to the point where I'm like, do not throw me the ball right now. And, hey, look, man, I'm sure he's second-guessing himself and second-guessing his game, but, you know, he'll bounce back and 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 he'll be fine. Yeah, and then defensively, man, I, I listened to some um, quotes and listened to the, the post-game report by uh, Nick Bolton, and what he was saying is that overall, man, it's, it's, it's time to have a reality check. You know, even, even though the defense only gave it 14 points, he was so disappointed, he says, after the game because he knew there was a lot of leaky yardage. Guys where they hit the guy in the backfield and he still got to the – line of scrimmage. They hit him for a one-yard gain, and he, he rolls off the, the, the running back or whoever ends up getting three yards. And he says, when the game is going on, yes, it still ends up being a third down. It still ends up being a fourth down. But how many times is a third and three becomes a third and one? And now instead of facing a passing down, you got to face uh, almost an automatic quarterback sneak. And then they go for it on fourth down on the 17-yard line. Because it was fourth and inches. Right. If, if that would have been fourth and two, fourth and three, again, when you look at the film, there is uh, on that first down, the second down, and third down, there's positions that our defense was in the spot to make a great defensive play. 
But there was two or three leaky yards given up on that series that led to it being a fourth and short. And you I know, think that's the thing that linebackers get really frustrated with. Frustrated with. Well, you know, overall, like, like I think our secondary has taken a big hit in the past in terms of not being able to cover and not you know, mm-hmm. having – I was very impressed with the way that our corners and our safeties cover. And here's the thing that, that fans got to remember. That's without Chris Jones, yes. right? And so instead of covering for 1.7 – to two seconds, mm-hmm. you know, now they're covering for the full three and they still held up, I think, pretty well. We get Chris back and start to get more defensive line pressure, whether it's off the corners with Felix, who I thought played pretty well for a young rookie in terms of getting some getting some pressure, didn't get a sack. All of a sudden, those guys that are covering on the back end, the time shortens up a little bit. And and even with the extended period of time, I thought for the most part, they held up against a, a pretty decent Jared Goff. Yeah, all the guys had great games uh our guy from the dub uh, created the fumble. Sneed played well. Watson Williams, and then our sa- our safeties were hard hitting the whole game. Whether it was you know Bush or Reed, I man, all the guys collecting that that secondary really just focused in, and they I man they had a great game, especially in the game where you said that you don't know that the ball is coming out, right? So you know you got to stick, you got to be really really sticky on that back end. So overall, that's it, man. That's offense defense. Uh, five things, quick facts about the game before we flip to the next thing is. Uh, number one, hey, we got a total of 10 pressures in that game, which without Chris Jones is phenomenal. Like you said, from some guys, uh, uh, Mike Dana and uh, the crew, the Greek Freak, all those guys really showed up and really had a great game. Uh, 11 different receivers. Um, Pat Mahomes, I think this is only the fourth time in his career where he's actually completed the ball to 11 different receivers in one ball game, which is, I mean, undefensible. Yeah. Especially spread it out like that. And that's with the drops. Right. Um, number three is uh, we had so many chances in that second half to really win the ball game. And that's probably what's the most disappointing thing is that we all know the first half is just playing the game, kind of like Get feeling each other out, you know, kind of jab. And then that second half, when you got a chance to knock somebody out right. or really put them on their heels, we had we had the ball first coming out halftime. We made our adjustments. Not scoring that first drive kind of gave the Lions a little bit of a, we still here. Yeah. We, 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 we okay. You know, like we, we could be down double – uh, double digits or two possessions, but you know we kind of took the Chiefs' best shot and we're still here standing. So let's go try to make some plays. And I think that you know that 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 mentality let them hang around long enough. Obviously, you got to give man, Coach Dan. You got to get yeah you got to give that coaching staff him and Ag Aaron Glenn yep. uh, that, that the mindset they had to come in here and win in their own head Thursday night football season opener. Uh, they definitely did that. And then the last two things was just uncharacteristic mistakes, uncharacteristic mistakes by our team. The pick six, the drops, the false starts and holding penalties. Just, man, they, they just, they're, they're drive killers. And we got, we can't do that. And last but not least, man, listen, whatever we got to do, we got to be prepared that every team that plays us, you got to be prepared for fakes, fourth down going for it. So, like, that's just got to be a mindset our defense needs to be in. Don't don't come off the field on third down. You're not you're not you're not on a normal team because, like you said, one of the purposes of the way we play defense is we want to create double digit possessions for our offense. We have always had one of the best offenses when it comes to points per possession. When you talk about over the complete season, so if the opposing team always has to try to find ways to steal that that extra possession away from uh, Patrick and our offense. And so we got to just be totally aware of that, man. Totally aware of that. All right. So right now, man, obviously you said you was involved in investment banking, um, uh, doing portfolios somewhere. And you're making a lot of money doing something for a lot of people. Uh, 
But we, we let's talk about like so. I always talk about fantasy, man. We get into fantasy. Yeah. The, how is the market on players? So just like in the in the real world, you know, you invest money and the stock market goes up and down. When it comes to fantasy football, man, there's a rise in the market, and, and you want to you want to make sure you sell high. Then you want to buy low. You want to buy when somebody is like not one of the the trendy guys, but did you see something in their future? Is there any players around the league who you think um, if you was doing a fantasy league that you would Sell high or buy low, man. So let me start with this. I stopped playing fantasy about five years ago, (laughs) and I'm gonna tell you why. Because of all the noise that get talked in the background, which I love to be a part of. My team's so bad, and they were so bad that I I could not take the discussion over and over. Now, in terms of let's call it young underrated kind of players. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget his name. I know it starts with a P, but I like the young receiver that put up, you know, 10, 11 catches against Seattle uh, for the Rams. For the Rams. Uh, who stepped in. I can't for, pronounce his name. Yeah, and he came Paducah. from BYU. Pakua. Yeah, Pakua, something like that. Fifth round pick. Um, and, and I mean, he had 15 targets. Now, when Cooper come back, you know, those targets are going to get knocked out. But what he did is he got the belief of Matthew Stafford. He got the belief of, of the head coach. And so now he's going to be, a seven to eight target per game kind of guy. Yeah. And I think what he's going to do is he's going to be uh, a little bit different of a Cooper Cup, but he's going to work in that intermediate kind of range. And so him putting up, especially if you're in one of those leagues where uh, you get points for the catch and points for the yard, he's going to be a guy that's going to be seven catches, 75, 80 yards, you know, one of these 15, 16 point guys every week. And that's without scoring a touchdown. So like he's, he's sort of low hanging fruit uh, to me. Uh, I can't think of anybody else right now off the top of my head. All right, so Dobbins, you know, Dobbins goes out with the injury, right? He's done for the season, uh, Achilles injury. So the next up, as far as the running backs for the Ravens, you got um, Gus Edwards, or then you got Justice Hill. So you got a two-headed monster that they played well, obviously, um, in the game they played. Uh, They still won the game, but, you know, when when you got uh, your main guy, you know, who gets carted off due to injury and you got other guys coming up, um, you know, making a move, making a trade for a guy like that. Uh, maybe let's, you know, even let's talk person. Let's talk about your son. Let's talk about Tyler. Like um, having uh, JSN come into the scene as far as Seattle, already having, you know, DK being a man, you know, mountain of a man as a wide receiver. And look, look, Tyler's always been one of the most consistent wide receivers you can find. His numbers don't lie over the last eight or nine years. You're going to get like, like top 15 wide receivers numbers each and every year. And he doesn't do it uh, Hollywood style. He's not, you know, on social media, dancing around uh, all the time in the end zone. But at the end of the year, you look back and you got quality, quality numbers. So um, I know he was, you know, coming back off of a, a concussion, but he actually entered back into the game. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let me go back to Baltimore. So I'm going to pick Justice Hill right off the top just because he, he from the high school. He from the crib. Right. So so <laughs> I, I, I'm going to pick Justice right right off. I mean, look, I, I can go through the league and pick a number of high school cats that played at our high school that's still playing. You'd be like, seriously? So I, so Justice just step up. All right. So that's one. But, uh, but you know, I like low-key, I'm actually kind of glad Seattle lost. And I'm kind of glad they got blew out because uh, everybody came into the season with this idea that, like, man, you got DK, you got Tyler, and now you add uh, Jackson to the group. Like, they're going to be uncoverable, right? And so, my opinion, I think the the offensive coordinator got a little big for his britches, right? So, he came into the first week, you know, well, I'm going to make sure DK get get three or four early in the game, and then I'm going to get us to Tyler for three or four, and then I'm going to get Jackson going and all that. Yeah, he got blown out. They didn't do that. 190 yards of total offense, three yards in the second half, all right? So, 
you know, I'm kind of low key glad it happened that way because then what as human beings, what do we do? We revert back to what we know. Hey man, look, let me give the ball to 14 and the 16 because these dudes can go to work and let me settle Gino down and get the run game go going back. And let's work Jackson in wherever we need to work him in. No disrespect to him. Young guy, he's going to be a good player. But all this try to force him to ball and move him around and put him in the spots where you're calling to play for him, and we got time for that. Y'all y'all put up 13 points, all right? So, uh, so you know, I'm hoping that going into this week we see a difference. Here's the deal. They got to play the line, and they ain't no joke, right? And so, uh, you know, I talked to Tyler after the game. He all fired up, you know, and I, man, why you say something during the game? He said, because they had me mic'd up. Okay, well, I, I got it. Said, Always thinking ahead. Yeah, yeah he said, yeah, but, you know, Sunday at 6 o'clock when all of it came out, oh, I had a whole lot to say. So, you know, I still think, look, man, he, he he's a stat stuffer. He's going to continue to put up stats. You know, the, the thing about him is he takes he makes the most of his opportunities. You know, I can't, I can't remember what it was last year, but, you know, 100 targets, you know, 82 are catchable, and he catch 80 balls, right? So, like that's what he does. He makes the most of every opportunity. He's not worried about all the all the glamour and the limelight. And so, you know, you may have some peaks and valleys. Like this week he might have got you one point, you know, but he's consistently gonna be a 15, 16 point fantasy guy. Always. And and we're gonna use what you just said, man. Like you said, he wouldn't talk trash because he was mic'd up. But there are some NFL players that actually do talk a lot of trash. I'm gonna get your feedback on what you think about this. Uh trash talking after the loss. Let's talk about uh, first of all, uh uh we just lost to some elves. Oh, right? Cincinnati. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. He called all week long. Man, we can't wait to be playing these elves, talking about the Cleveland Browns, calling them the Cleveland elves. All, all, and then go out there and they poop their cap. Cincinnati got embarrassed, man. Listen, OBJ, good riddance. Uh, now he ain't here no more. Man, uh, the, the defensive line, uh, Garrett, man, those guys just, they, they was in the backfield. Joe Burrow didn't have a chance, man. I don't know if he's still a little injured, a little battered, beat it up. I don't know if that new contract weighing down his pocket, that that big that big money in his pockets weighing him down, whatever it is, man. That was a that was a sad uh, start of a season from a team that has so much promise. Everybody's picking the you know Cincinnati Bengals to come out of the AFC North. Yep. Um. So so yeah. What do you that, think about that? That else? was that was my number one rated, most disappointing performance throughout the entire NFL this this past week. Uh, you know, and it's a number of reasons why. But I mean, my, my favorite play was was uh was was Jack with the old with the with the crossover heavy that he gave uh to the center. The whole offensive line. The whole offense, and then you know, they rushed three and he's still getting the getting the burrow. So immediate. Yeah. And so immediate pressure. So that to me was the most disappointing performance. But you know, it's almost like Seattle, like like that's gotta be a gut check where they all go in the mirror and go, you know what? We can't just put our pants on, walk out on the field and be guaranteed that we're going to get 12, 13 wins. And so, you know, I think the light bulb will come off, and they're incredibly talented, right? But you know how it is, man. Everybody in the league can play. You start talking down on people, calling them elves and calling I mean, th- there was probably some pissed-off folks in that mm-hmm. Cleveland locker room, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have the whole thing. Everybody wants to hate on Deshaun, and they don't want Cleveland to win. And, man, look, they're sneaky good. Like, like they shocked me a little bit in terms of when I watched them. They're they pretty good. Tampa was the same way. I thought, you know what? Brady's leaving, and I've never been like a crazy Brady fan. I respect him to death, right? He put up points, but and he and he knows how to win. But like they down there, and they put out a good game plan, and they snuck out of there with a win. And all of a sudden, you got to look at Tampa and be like, man, that NFC South is like. I, I was ready to just kind of hand it over to New Orleans and figure they're gonna be, but 
that's going to be an interesting conference as well. Yeah, I heard they call it Tampa Mayfield now. Yeah. Uh, and he's always coming up. You know, Tampa always come with a nice name for the quarterback. That's a quarterback-driven division. Uh, ain't no no ain't no quarterbacks in the division, so there's always yeah. ability for a quarterback to come in and win it right away. Right. Uh, the other guy here was DJ Moore. DJ Moore, he went one-on-one with J- Jair Alexander, the, the cornerback for the Packers. Packers. Uh, they kind of got to shoving a little bit. Then after the game, uh, Alexander was asked uh, about it. He said, well, the stat line was two for 25. He says, yeah, it was a real quiet day for him. He said, he got all this stuff he wanted to talk about as far as me, you know, me hitting somebody, but two for 25, that, that's, a, that's a real quiet day. So, so this is always my problem with trash talk. Like, you put yourself in a position where you got to back it up, mm-hmm. right? So my man Prime in Colorado, he all over the place right now. But he backing it up. Yes, sir. He yes, win it, right? And so that's the deal about it. If you gonna talk, man, you gotta stand in front of that camera afterwards. And so my man Jamar Chase, he doubled down. He go into the post-game interview and he still call on the bells. All right. Like, like at some point, you gotta back off of it. And so uh, you know, I I love the trash talk. I, I was always a part of it, right? I loved it. But that's a part of the game that I, I really wish the fans could actually understand and and get closer to because a lot of the things that get said in between plays, right after plays, like, man, that that's what drives you to want to play the game. Man, all right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. Obviously, you're listening to The Process, which is great in the product. My man, Kevin Lockett. When we get back, just to tease you a little bit, we're going to talk about some, 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 some things off the field as far as mentoring, as far as motivating, mindset, the things that helped him create the Tyler Lockett's, the, the Sterling Lockett's. Uh, he has a house full of wide receivers that played at the at all three levels. We'll get back to you. This is the process. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Football is back in full swing with another week of Epic Games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? That's DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And new customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action as all DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get in on NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code KCSN to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www. 1-800-GAMBLER.NET. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdictions. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Man, welcome back to the process, man. Obviously, the process is always greater than the product. You hear us say it over and over because it matters. It's true. Again, my guest this week, man, is Kevin Lockett. Uh, Kevin, we're just going to go really quick, man. I'm going to go team by team. And we have a little segment called, I mean, are they contenders or are they pretenders? So when it comes to them being a, 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 a team, when it comes to the playoffs, do you think this team's going to contend for a championship or are they right now just playing pretenders? All right. Uh, first team, I'll say the Dolphins. They're contending. They're contending. Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill put up 200, 200 and two touchdowns to start off the season. 
How about the 49ers? Mm, big contender. Man, they got they look, man, all that money they spent on their defense, and then they got the cheapest quarterback in the league who steal ball, man. Big time. CMC goes for 200. So you talk about offensive player right now who's going for the MVP. I don't even know if there is a quarterback in the running right now. It's somewhere it might be between Tyreek Hill and CMC when it comes to those two teams. How about the Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, pretend. I, I like where they're at. I, look, I like my man Lamar. I like some of the acquisitions they made. But, man, without a running game, yeah. Lamar, and you put you put all the passing on Lamar, that becomes tough. Yeah, Dobbins got hurt. Uh, Stanley uh, got a little injured. Uh, another one of their offensive linemen got a little injured. Uh, one of their safeties, Williams, got so they, they they fighting that injury bug really early in the season to still be able to come out of that north, which is one of the toughest uh, divisions. How about the Eagles? They contend. Cont- man, they had a rough start. Against, I mean, they came out for the first two possessions and went up 14, 16 points really quick on the Patriots. Mm-hmm. And then the Patriots settled down. It was a lot of dysfunction almost when it came to the Eagles offense for the all, almost the entire second half of the game. And they kind of snuck out with a victory when he's talking about playing it. But but you know what? Patriots are a little bit better than I think people give them credit for. They, they, they're actually going to be probably an 8-10 to 10 win team this year. They, they're pretty good. Yeah, people had them kind of down. Yeah. I, uh, I had the Jets on here, but they're pretending. They're now. pretending they're huh? You, even with the win, even with the felt good. It does. It does let you know that Salah is building something that's 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 long standing, yeah. right? And so, uh, you know, you you always say, look, man, one player can't determine our future, but but in this case, yeah. you know, they might be done this year. Where Rodgers? Uh, how about the Falcons? And uh, <laughs> I like B. Look, look I, hey man, that move he made on a little screen pass. Yes, sir. Hey, Look, I ain't seen active legs like that from a running back in years, and he is going to be dynamic. But then you always worry about, you know, are you going to waste away his years? What's my guy that came out of Georgia several years ago? Um, mm. uh, what's, what's his name? That was the elite back that was supposed to be all world. Uh, he came out with Tyler. I forget his name, but six, seven years in, it's like you just done, you done forgot about it, mm. you know? So I worry about them wasting, wasting his future, but. Man, he's elite. The league uses up running backs the way I mean it's, it's trade. They 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 chew them up and spit them out. And running backs is, is not for long when it comes to NFL. Right. How about those Bengals, man? The L. Look, man, I still think that they they contenders. Uh, who that? But man, that performance. Who that pretender? Look, I like Carr, man. I, I like it, but man, look, it, there can only be so many contenders. I mean, look, think about it. at the end of the day, you really talking about five or six teams. They got a chance to win the Super Bowl. So let's let's be honest. Yes, yes. All right. Uh, Dallas Cowboys, big D, 40 and 0, 40 and 0. They go against the Giants, 40 and 0. Look, man, that was impressive. So, I, based on that performance, I'm going to have to give them contender. I think if I'm going off of history, week 12 or 13, they'll be covering pretenders. <laughs> All right, let's talk about tough starts to the season, the Buffalo Bills. Mm, pretender. Mm. I, think, I think that whole empire is about to bust down. You got Diggs whining again. He always whining. And then you got that performance by Josh Allen, which people will say that's all characteristic. I won't be surprised if he in the top five or six quarterbacks this year in terms of picks. I mean, I, I think I think that thing is about to fall apart up there. I think losing Dabo was something that people didn't realize how much that was going to affect his overall performance because that quarterback position was almost hand built, customized under Dabo. And now, mm-hmm. even though you know somebody else can try to run his offense, you just don't have the same set of eyes on that quarterback position. Uh, three more teams. Let's go with the Packers. Under Jordan Love, I like what he's doing. Man. Mm-hmm. They pretend that they, they, this year they just not. They I don't see them winning a championship. All right, let's go with the Chargers. I, I like look, man. I like what they do, but again, they they just 
seven to ten wins. If they get in, they look they're gonna lose first round. They they not gonna win a championship. Last but not least, the team to beat us, man. These Detroit Lions. They, look, I I don't know what to rule. I can't say that they're a contender because I don't see them winning the Super Bowl. But what I do see is they will be in the conversation. They will be a postseason team, and they will be somebody you don't want to face in the postseason based on the way that they play. Quarterback that gets it out of his hands very quickly. Defense that's rugged and hits you in the mouth. People don't want to see that. Man, before we go into the fatherhood and mentorship and everything, is there any team that, I mean, obviously everybody is saying these are the three worst teams coming. You know, we talk about a lottery pick for the 2024 draft. You got the Arizona Cardinals, which everybody feels taking to try to get Caleb Williams. Then you have like the Carolina Panthers and Indianapolis Colts. Is there any other team that might be, you know, less than two wins, three wins, or, you know, a subpar season that could be um, with one of those early draft picks? The Cardinals might go 0 6 17, man. I, like that, that, that right there is the worst team Golly. across the league. And, and you know what? I do think that they have plans to go after Caleb Williams because I think in their mind, look, if I'm a GM, how do I get rid of this quarterback that's been a nightmare for me that I just paid all this money to? Can I trade him? Can I get some picks for him? Get some talent for him? Go get Caleb and just sort of reset because he's not what they thought he was going to be. And I think the trademark of him is going to be tough. I, I'm not sure that there's something there, but I don't see any other team that's just that bad. I, I do see four or five teams at the top. I see two or three that are at the bottom, and I see a bunch of teams, 20 or so teams that's just sort of in this mix where you wonder – what are they going to do? Seattle, Dallas, um, teams like that, Cincinnati, where it's like, what what are they going to become? But there's clearly still, you got your Chiefs, you got your Eagles, you know, you got your high-flying teams, 49ers, that that they're going to be in the conversation when you get down to the divisional championship. And what makes the NFL so interesting is that every year there's always one team out of that middle mix that gets hot. That's right. They get hot and they start, I mean, the offense start clicking, defense start making plays, and before you know it, at the end of the year, that's the team that nobody wants to play. That's right. And it could be a team like Tennessee, right? Yep. Um, with with D Hop on the offense as a receiver and Derrick Henry, if they start playing the defense that they know they can play. Yep. It, that's a team you just don't want to see in the playoffs because they play that style of it control the ball. Uh, Co- Coach Verbo, like he's a, he's a tough mindset type of dude, and you just, you always got to worry about a team like that coming at the end of the season starting. So. And that's what I wonder if Dallas can be that team. Yeah. Like it, like every, America has wanted Dallas to oh, be that team, but but when I saw that performance this past weekend, they have the potential if Dak doesn't turn the ball over quite a bit and they rely on their defense. They might have a chance to be that team that that emerges out of the middle of the pack and actually show something in the postseason. And good stuff, good stuff. All right, man. So we're gonna pivot right now, man. We're gonna go into like, I mean, majoring in, in manhood. How do a guy like yourself, myself, um, collectively, uh, you have four boys, I got five boys. We got nine boys in between us. So yep. there's gotta be some type of knowledge, some nuggets about raising young men. Um, all of our kids are athletes. Um um, you you have a, a a guy in the NFL. You have a guy at K State. You have a guy who's in in high school, or two kids now in high school mm-hmm. playing football at a high level. Uh, I have a son that just uh, walked on at Kansas and then went to play baseball with the Royals. I have a ninth grader who's a teammate of your son. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a kid who won three state championships at my age here locally. Uh, my oldest son. And then of all these kids, my youngest might be the Cade. most feared, uh, Killer Cade. He might be the most. Aaron Donald at 10. Uh, Aaron Donald 10.0 <laughs> uh, uh, coming uh, in a few years. But, I mean, what are some of the resounding uh, sentiments or uh, maybe some nuggets of 
what are you telling your kids as far as their attitude, their mindset, as far as just whether it's baseball, basketball, football, no matter what the, the sport is, what is the common thread of, of, of how you tell them to prepare themselves to compete? You know, I think, you know, the thing for me is like, like I've always been opposed to this idea of like living your life through your kids. Right. And I'm thankful that I got to play at the highest level, same with you so that, that I don't have to be in that kind of mode. But for me, what I'm really big on is this idea of, look, my job is to introduce you to sports and to all of these different sports. And then it's my job to step back and let you decide what you like, what you don't like. I'm thankful that my kids like everything and they're playing something every single season. But it's also my job to prepare you to compete in real life. And so what I mean by that is like, I just have this mindset with my kids that's like, look, we can play rec ball if that's what you want to do. But if you tell me you want to play at a higher level and you tell me that I'm going to show you what it takes and you may not like it because you may not get to do the things that your friends get to do. Right. I'm in the own video game. Why I got to go out to the field and do some extra work because you told me this is what you want. So my job is the way I see it is expose them to everything, prepare them for what they say that they want. But at the same time, the moment that I get any inclination from them that that's not what I want. It's my job to move from mentor slash coach to more of father, yeah. because ultimately what's the, what's most important here is for me to have a collective and an individual relationship with each one of my boys. And if I don't have that, um, then I failed as a father. And so for me, it's mostly about, look, I have to have a relationship that's so deep with them that it goes, that it, that it, it goes beyond because sports is going to die at some point. It's going to be over. And so I want them to know, look, you know, I'm not letting my dad down if I decide I don't want to play football anymore or if I'm not competing at the level that he says, or if I say to him, Hey, I just want to play rec basketball. I don't really want to play AU anymore. And so that balance between like father and coach, it's tough because for me, I coached every one of my kids up until they were probably 13, 14 years old. That's in basketball. That's in baseball. And that's in football. And from one end of it, I did it from a protection standpoint, meaning if, if you're going to play something, I want you to learn how to play it the right way. And, and so basketball, football was probably the biggest one that I was adamant about coaching because I wanted them to get the right technique, understand how to take your head out of the tackle, understand how to protect yourself on offense. You know, people get on Tyler all the time because they're like, man, you don't, you don't have no yak. You don't, you don't have no yards after the catch. And he'll tell you in a minute, look, man, my dad taught me a long time ago. Look, man, you're not big. Get what you can get. When people get around, just go down on the ground, let a fight another day. I said, because the best ability is availability. Always. And if you in the tub, can't make the club, right? So, you know, um, you know, I just want them to learn things the right way. And uh, and so, again, man, it's just for me, it's just more, though, about how do you how do you balance that coach and that and that father piece? Because if I have to err on one side, yeah. it's going to always be on the father side because they're going to need you to be a father much longer than they're going to need you to be a coach. Their entire life, they're going to need that. And opening those avenues and those bridges and those paths for open communication yep. about things beyond sports. Like sports is just a topic of, hey, you're doing this right now. I know you're doing awesome in baseball. You're out at Arizona. You're, hey, man, I hope everything can work out for you. But if there's never a level of competi- uh, conversation, it goes beyond that where I'm interested in his, I'm, a, I'm his yeah. fan when it comes to life. I want to know how his relationships are doing. How is he dealing with not having a car? How is he dealing with uh, the weight room versus 
he's meeting people that don't speak English. Is he learning a second language? And how is that? Com- so everything is going to like uh, evolve and um, help him grow as a person beyond who's paying the checks or who's what, what organization he's with. Those things are just not a high priority when it comes to like being uh, available to him to being able to ask any question. And I think that's something that, you know, I was able to develop with Noah, uh, develop with all my sons as they became teenagers. And now it's just not a, they're not overly dependent on me taking them every place. They're driving now. They got to make decisions of what time they need to leave the party to get home before midnight. No excuses. Holding them responsible and accountable. Because these are the same uh, accountability and responsibility levels that you're going to get when you go to Arizona. And now you're supposed to be at a meeting well, you and some of the guys go, you know, walk to a mall and now you're, you know, 10 minutes away right. and you Uber back, but the Uber don't show up for five minutes. Right. And now that the organization is looking at you where you're late for a meeting, now you get fired. All the excuses. All those excuses, man, they'll fall on deaf ears. Yep. If, be accountable. Be where you're supposed to be. Be early. Yep. Right. If you're on time, you're late. You got to be early to be on time. Like, like those things we learned at some level of our life of how to be accountable to ourselves, to be accountable to our teammates, uh, to be accountable to the organizations that are paying for our performance. Those things, man, they, they, they matter so much more than if my kid strikes out at the little league, you know, well, field and stuff like that. And one of the things that, that I think the people should hear is that we implemented a long time ago. And when I say we, I'm talking me, Shop, uh, and Billy Baber, is because all of us coach our kids, yeah. right? it's hard for a kid to determine, to distinguish between when you're being a coach and when you're being dad, right? And so everybody talks about that long drive home after the game and am I still coaching? And then when you get home, am I, you know, and so that that's hard. And so one of the things that we implemented <clears throat> a while ago was this idea of, look, I can't always be the one who only is responsible for speaking into my kids. Um, and so shop, shop will have a conversation with my kids at different times. Faber will have that same conversation and so sometimes the source has to change, even though the message doesn't change. And so like my encouragement would be for a lot of the dads that's out there, like get you a nice small group of people that your kids will respect as well, because I don't care what happens. They see me and they see that's dad, that's coach. They see you and it's like, that's Mr. Barber. They see that that's Mr. Baber. And so the moment something starts to get said is my attention is on my ears and I'm listening and I'm trying to pay attention to what you're saying. And then I'm going to soak it in. And when it's the same message that they're getting from me or from my wife, then all of a sudden it sinks in. And so I don't care if the message doesn't come from me. What I care about is that it sinks in and that they can then mature and grow and become, you know, good, good, supportive, responsible. Again, I mean, all our kids, I I guess it it always starts in the same thing. We have we have kids that are um, big on faith. They they, they, they know that, you know, they have a purpose here. Uh, It's a passion. Sports is God gave you a talent. And whether you choose to showcase it and, and, and use it for a financial gain or for whatever it is, um, God is giving you ability, but it's still something internally you have to do to to grow that ability, to keep on progr- uh, progressing and continue to take that 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 God-given talent and make it something that where you can now turn that back and showcase your faith for the Lord and how much you love Him and stuff like that. So, uh, man, I'm, I'm so proud of uh, the the man you 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 are. And how you um, showcase that not only to your kids but to my kids, to babies' kids, to pr- pretty much anybody who's within <laughs> uh, ears length of our of our voice. Yeah. Uh, we keep it very consistent, man. Mindset, toughness, grit, um, man. Having having the the, the, the opportunity to to uh, showcase your ability 
every like it's you're always on uh always interviewed. You're always interviewed. There is no yeah, one no day downtime. There is no one time where, you know, like the highlight film. No, no. I want to see your practice film. I want to see how you practice. I want to hear how your teammates talk about you on a on a day after a loss. I want to know if when you strike out, do you talk to your teammate on the way back to the dugout? Or are you so pissed off that you struck out, you ignore your teammate. So those are the the the, the little nuances about being a a, a a guy in team sports and understanding uh, the mindset of an athlete that I hope young people and young fathers and and and, and our listeners here, um, you're always always it's, it's a it's a 365 24/7 type interview. And if you're about that business, you're about having that mindset to be a professional athlete or being great at anything. There's certain things you just have to do. Right. There's no shortcuts. Um, and you got to be dedicated. Um, I and sky don't lie. What your reputation is, is different between your character. Right. You have a reputation of being a really good ball player, but your character is going to talk about what you do when the, when the cameras ain't on, when nobody's watching. And those are things you got to be really good at. And so the, the last thing I would say, probably the dads, especially the ones that coach is like, like, and I just put it plain, like love your boy. Like, and, and this is mainly for boys. Um, but like, it's easy to coach them and for them to what they hear is just to be always hard or or to always be uh, driving them to do something like at some point you have to stop. And I always tell them, look, celebrate the wins, like don't just pass over them like that's what you're supposed to do and then go right back into the things they're not doing. Celebrate the wins with them. But man, step back and like love them. Hug your boys, man. Like teach them that it's OK to love and to have emotion. And because if you are a coach and a dad, it's easy for that part to get missed. And then all of a sudden, when they're teenagers, you wonder why they don't talk to you, why they keep things from you, why they hide stuff from you. Man, love your boys. Every team my son has been a part of so far, there's been one or two members from his team who I thought were really good ball players that get to high school and walk away. Right. Baseball players, I think, man, he's an awesome third base. I can't wait to see him in high school. And I'm like, I'm looking at the high school team. Where is he at? Oh, dad, he decided not to play. It was got too much. It became this. Just, yeah, he just he wasn't having fun anymore. Yeah, and same thing with the football team. So yeah, like you say, man, just keep it fun, keep it cool, keep it collective, and just keep encouraging those these young men to be uh, better athletes and be uh, more productive uh, citizens. Um, just do what you need to do as far as um, make sure you're putting a, a, a prioritize the, the the fundamentals and the techniques. You're not you're not always putting on film of your own son. Correct him off his own things. You can put on film of anybody. Just watch highlights of anybody and show the right steps he's supposed to take. So then he doesn't take it personally. It's like you're trying to like come down on him because you're the coach, you're the dad. So, man, Kevin, I always, man, I appreciate you uh, giving us some of your time, giving us some wisdom, some Anytime, knowledge. Man. Again, man, this is Sean Barber, Kevin Lockett. This is the process. The process is always greater than the product. I appreciate your time. God bless. Good evening. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.